if I've learned anything, like getting into the professional world, right? Yep. Like it shocked me how no one knows what they're doing. Even experts in their field don't yeah. really necessarily know what they're doing. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Derek, founder and CEO of Bunches, and your host here at Start Something. Let's go. I am here with Trinity Wiles, the founder CEO of Trinity Mototech. Yes. And the head of product at Liquid Intelligence. Great to see you this morning. Thanks for having me. Of course. We're going to jump right in. We want to get to know you a little bit, right? And there's no better way here at Bunches to get to know someone than hacks. Has the rumor of hacks spread to you yet? It is not. Okay. What, what is a hack? So a hack is a hypothetically asked question. All right. Oh, so okay. I'll drive you through a couple of them. Just answer them as I ask them. Right? Okay. There's no First wrong... thing that comes to my mind. <laughs> you, sometimes, yeah. You might want to think about it. You might want to impulsively answer. Okay. There's no wrong answers. This is who you are. The one thing to keep in mind is I'm not asking your favorites. Mm -hmm. All right. So if you were a global city, any city in the world, what city would you be? Ooh. I might know the answer to this one, but maybe not. I would be Florence. Yeah. <laughs> I love Florence, Italy. There's just a warm, welcoming Italian culture there, and yeah. the artisan craftsmanship and the hard work that people put into their daily businesses that they just run, their storefronts, their shops, yeah. and the way they live their lives – I, yeah, and I think we'll actually see that kind of through through the interview this morning. If you were a fruit, what fruit would you be? Be a coconut because I want to be on the beach. Does that also mean you're like hard to crack, could kill someone if you fall from a tree? I don't know if I'm capable of killing someone, <laughs> <laughs> but I can be a hard coconut to crack, yeah. I would say. For sure. If you were a beverage... Cocktail, alcoholic, caffeinated, or otherwise, anything at all, what beverage would you be? An espresso martini. I have Ooh. mastered the perfect balance of being overly energized yeah. and also enjoying, you know, the taste of yeah. coffee and alcohol. That's a good one. <laughs> this is where I have to remind people I'm not asking your favorite. This right. might be the hardest to like separate. Well, if you were asking you me are. my favorite, I would have said red wine. Okay. Yeah. But this next question is actually even harder. Okay. If you were a genre of music, <gasps> what genre of music would you be? Again, not your favorite. This is who you are. And if you can't narrow down Probably a genre, I'll take artists. Some like indie alternative or, yeah, indie alternative, just because I don't really think you can fit me, Trinity, into yeah. a box. I don't really even listen to indie alternative. I would say. Yeah. A genre that you really can't fit into a box is what I would identify as. Yeah, that's cool. And then last but certainly not least, arguably the most important question. If you were an animal, what animal would you be? Lion. That's my spirit animal. Lion. So would you say that you are a Florence coconut espresso martini indie alt lion kind of person? Lioness. Lioness, yes. <laughs> <But> yes. <laughs> Perfect. That, that's awesome. And so now we get a sense of who you are at your core. What is it that you're doing day to day now? You know, talk to us about, you know, liquid, and mm -hmm. then obviously we'll dive into Trinity soon too. Yeah. So I am head of product and operations at Liquid Intelligence, and we develop smart mirrors for homes. Yeah. So essentially our interactive smart mirror can turn your home into a smart home by yeah. connecting to your appliances, helping you with energy saving, 
essentially automating a lot of the mundane things in your life. Yeah. So day to day, I'm working on Liquid, also working on building my fashion brand, Trinity Mototech. Yeah. So I started that out of basically trying to solve my own problem. I started riding a motorcycle in 2020, my pandemic mm. hobby, you know, when we were all bored. <laughs> we all had them. Yeah, we're like, yeah. what are we going to do? I started riding a motorcycle, took the class and absolutely fell in love with it and realized, you know, I love fashion, but yeah. there's not a lot of great protective gear out there for women yeah. that's fashionable. So day to day, I would say like I'm 75% in like spending my time in liquid product operation stuff and then 25% spending on Trinity and building that brand. So yeah, no, that's cool. I want to dive a little bit deeper into kind of who you are, how you got here. So we do this fun thing here at Start Something where we dive into kind of socials, background, mm -hmm. etc. So I'll start with this. Okay. Powell, Ohio. <laughs> yes. Western Carolina University. You mm -hmm. ran cross country, yep. found the picture. We won't share it. <laughs> yeah. Running photos are never the most flattering. <laughs> <laughs> I know. How do you think Coming from middle America, yeah. the Midwest, yeah, Western Carolina. I went to Eastern Carolina University. How do you think coming from middle America, not the coasts, right? Mm -hmm. Not New York, not LA, not Miami, not Seattle, has shaped how you think about starting building projects in a variety of spaces? You know, also happen to know that you've always had an entrepreneurial streak. You know, how do you think that your childhood and growing up and going to school in places like that has really shaped how you see the world? That is a really good question. So, yeah, like you mentioned, I grew up in Palo, Ohio. I'm one of three, so I'm a triplet. Okay. That's why my name's Trinity. There's three of me. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> yeah. But growing up in that environment, my parents always encouraged us to really be our own individuals. Yeah. You know, explore your own interests, try different sports, and... You know, now as an adult, I'm like, man, I really appreciate that because it'd be way easier yeah. for them as parents to be like, okay, you all three need to do the same sport because I don't want to run around five different places yeah. trying to, you know, take you guys to different things. But my parents really encouraged that individuality. And that's really where I feel like I got a, an entrepreneurial spirit. I realized, oh, I don't have to be doing what everyone else is doing. I don't have to compare myself to my sisters and what they're doing. And while we love doing activities together, like exploring new things, I think was like a big part of my childhood and a big part of what yeah. my parents encouraged me to do. So they really like, you know, I grew up thinking I can do anything. So yeah. like, with this like naiveness and confidence to do anything that I wanted to do. My dad was a teacher. My mom was a nurse. They mm -hmm. weren't really entrepreneurs. So I wasn't necessarily surrounded by it, but they were you know, always encouraging us to, you know, try new things, start businesses or side hustles, things like that. So I think growing up in that environment with that supportive of parents and family really helped. In Western Carolina, I went down there for cross country and track. And I think, you know, running in college at the D1 level taught me the sort of discipline that you need to have yeah. working towards a goal like whether that's running or what you're eating. And, you know, I wasn't always perfect with it. That sort of, you know, activity taught me the discipline to go and start businesses. And, you know, I had the confidence to take the risk because my parents were so supportive. So yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Have you part of the entrepreneur journey, and I'm sure you've run into this with wear and share with <laughs> Trinity even now, like is running through walls. 
right? And not being afraid of obstacles. And do you think that those kind of experiences really ingrained that in you? Or did you have to learn that, hey, I have the freedom to do whatever I want, but I haven't experienced real obstacles yet. I haven't experienced like people saying no, et cetera. Have you had to like learn that along the way? Or do you think you experienced that even younger Powell? And yeah, I mean, I think it's something that I learned as a kid on a small scale, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Especially with my parents encouraging me to try new things, you know, things didn't always work out. And, yeah. you know, you know, I just kind of fell in love with challenging myself. Like I was driven by those no's or, yeah. you know, things maybe not working out. I'm like, I'm going to figure out how to make this work, yeah. you know? Are you stubborn? I would consider myself yeah. stubborn. Do and other I definitely people get that from stubborn? my dad. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So a couple of years ago, you were posting quotes of the day. Yes. You were, write them on a piece of paper, put them on a whiteboard. It seems like you're an avid reader as well. <laughs> Why did you stop? Okay. So this is a really cute story, actually. So those quotes I actually got from my dad. He oh, cool. retired from teaching and every single day he would write a quote of the day on the board and his students would love it and they would want him to change the yeah. quotes and yeah. they were so excited to see the quote of the day. So when he retired, I took this bag of quotes uh -huh. and, you know, I started doing them when I was at the EC. Like I would have different people yeah. reading the quotes of the day and I'd be posting them. The reason I stopped was because I stopped working at the EC and uh -huh. I left the quotes there. <laughs> do, do they still have them? Do, they probably I, put them I have away to go or? back and look. I don't know. They're, they were in a little like locker yeah. in the back. If you're at the so, EC like, listening might. right now and you see this bag of quotes, please save them. Bring them back. No, I do. I should start that again because people really love that. And I loved it because it was a cool connection to like my dad yeah. and all of that. No, that's so. awesome. I'm not going to lie to you. It seems like a lot of work. Like, uh, you I know, can't even imagine teacher, writing them. I didn't even write them. I just yeah. had to post them. <laughs> That's wild. 180, I guess, 180 days in a school year. Yeah, he had like more that. than that. He had That's way wild. more than that. He had years worth. That's crazy. Mm. So speaking of quotes and books and avid learning, et cetera, as the proud owner of mm -hmm. a signed Gary Vee book, <laughs> what did you think about Mute Gary Vee from Mike Audi? Shout out to Mike and Tiki. So, okay. I was more, you know, I was like mute. Tony Robbins, but I think Gary <laughs> Tony, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Like, you know, I think he has some like baseline principles that are good yeah. that, especially for people just like dipping their foot into the entrepreneurial journey and yeah. marketing journey and things they're good for. But like, I, I don't know, like I'm not really a fan of hustle culture. I've yeah. been like caught up in hustle culture before it like chews you up and spits you out. Like yep. it's not sustainable. <laughs> like now I feel like it was really like the pandemic that I think changed my view on that. But as far as Gary Vee goes, you know, like I'm a very neutral, yeah, you know, neutral opinion on him. How'd you I, get I, the book? I got it from a friend. Okay. <laughs> yes. And they got it signed? <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Which is cool. But We touched on this earlier, but I happen to know that you love Italy. Did that arise during kind of the Trinity Mototech journey where you were like sourcing and, you know, figuring out? the materials and all that kind of stuff? Or did it predate that? You know, is it just fashion related? Is it deeper? Talk to me about that. So it's funny because I studied in Rome in college for a few months and I loved it. But I feel like going back as a 25 year old person who's starting a business in the fashion industry, like 
I had way more appreciation for it than when I did when I was there when I was 21 years old. And that's crazy. Like, I always thought, oh, like, Italy is nice. But I never really felt a strong connection or desire to go back till I was starting this business. And I saw that the largest motorcycle expo in the world was in Milan. Yeah. And I was like, gives me an excuse to go to Milan, meet my suppliers, meet some other people in the industry, potential buyers, like, why not? So I booked the trip. And then once I got there, I started meeting more like local artisans and locals and really felt way more connected to it than I ever did when I was there for, you know, a couple months in college, which is funny. I spent more time there, but now I feel way more connected to the place than I did when I was just you know, passing through and yeah. studying. To, and to Milan specifically or <laughs> just to Italy in general? Italy. Yeah. I actually, hot take, but okay. I didn't love Milan. Oh, wow. That <laughs> is really, a hot take. Which is like fashion capital, but I'm like, I like Florence a yeah. lot more. Yeah. Definitely enjoyed Florence as as well. Like, it's a beautiful city. It's also, it also seems a little more rustic or not rustic. Rustic is not the right word, but authentic mm-hmm. to me than maybe Milan. Yeah, I did feel like to your point, it was more of a commercialized city. Like it felt like a London to me. Yeah, 100%. So last but not least in the deep dive, I know you're nervous. No reason to be nervous. I'm going to show <laughs> you this tweet. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it on screen. What was going on <laughs> that prompted this one? Entrepreneurship is mental F. <laughs> okay, February 2021. This is post-pandemic, uh, so you can't blame the pandemic no, for that one. No, I can't one. blame the pandemic honestly man what was going on in my life it must not have been that detrimental because i don't remember oh you were just trying to get likes (laughs) no to my 20 followers yeah (laughs) no i did yeah i use twitter there's journal a little bit yeah (laughs) no that's good i think i think it really is though it's a true roller coaster like you you probably know this you started multiple businesses like You can literally start on a high, like your morning, you know, you have a great meeting, something goes great, you get a great signed contract, and then something crazy happens in the afternoon that could totally ruin your day, and you just got to put it in perspective and think like, (laughs) okay, like you can't ride those emotions like a roller coaster, you need to be as, you know. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) And I think, you know, a lot of people like in our circles in the startup world or whatever would say like entrepreneurship is a roller coaster and that's right what goes missing is you know if you're on the outside kind of hearing that you think over the course of the couple of years that you're starting a company you there are ups and downs no the roller coaster can literally take place in an hour mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. where you know a crucial talent hire decides to go somewhere else but in the same hour you get an email from an investor saying that they're in totally. it's like it's pretty pretty wild so have you always been entrepreneurial I think so. I was never doing anything like crazy or or never like really a tinker type of entrepreneur until like, you know, got older. But like I was always the lemonade stand kid here in Ohio, you know, it would snow a lot. So me and my sisters would go knock on our neighbor's doors and say, hey, we'll shovel your driveway for $5. And there's three of us. So we're out there and it's a lot faster. So I was always that type of kid. But It wasn't really until I was in college that I got into the tech space and started exploring that. Did you always think that you would start something? No. Nope. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I always thought, you know, initially I thought I wanted to, you know, go into the medical field. 
which I went to a camp in high school and I almost fainted when I saw blood <laughs> and I was like, this is not for yeah, me. Not I can't for you, do yeah. this. So, so immediately figured out that wasn't for me. Yeah. That wasn't the right path. But no, I never really pictured myself starting something. I always knew I wanted to do something impactful. Yeah. I just didn't really know how that... Considering looked. that, I think the answer to the next question is pretty obvious. Do you think entrepreneurship can be a learned skill? Do you think that it's like all of a sudden, oh, yeah, I think I want to start something? Absolutely. I do think there are some people who are just naturally super entrepreneurs. Like you've probably met them. Yeah. They're always like have yeah. 10 businesses or yeah. tinkering in their garage, like building something that like yeah. everyone's like, what you doing over there? But <laughs> I do think that's, you know innate trait that some people have, but I do think entrepreneurship is a learned skill. Yeah. So post being a fainter at <laughs> camp. Yeah. So after that, what were your interests? Because now all of a sudden, you know, I suspect if you're anything like me, it's like you get interested in a topic. I think I want to go in the medical mm -hmm. field, good money, helping people, et cetera, et cetera. And so you're mm -hmm. like learning about it. That's how you end up at camp, right? Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden that rug gets pulled out from under you. What did you turn to as a next topic of interest or area? That's when I... We had business. We had a DECA class okay. at my high school. So then I went and joined the DECA class, and I got really okay. into that, and writing a business plan yeah. and things like I just, I loved that, and I guess that's where I landed. Yeah. Still am. <laughs> so that was, it seems like that might have been the initial spark for entrepreneurship. Now, not necessarily tech or yeah. anything like that, but, you know, starting a business. Is that right? I would say, yeah, like senior year of high school. Yeah. Yeah. And then you ended up at Western Carolina. Is that where you were exposed to the startup world, tech world? Yeah. I mean, it's a funny story how I made it there. I knew I wanted to go to school outside of Ohio. Sure. I had people like always laugh when I tell this story, but I had this little app on my phone. Okay. And you could put in what you wanted to study, like your major, and then kind of like the price range for tuition that you wanted to pay. Okay. And you could shake it. And it would randomly generate schools within those filters. So I shook the app. <laughs> you asked an eight ball where to go to school? Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. I like, I found Western Carolina. I'm like, I've never heard of this school. Yeah. So I call up, I look up their coach's information online yep. and I like call up their coach because I'm like, you know, out of state school is expensive. Yep. Let me try to get a track scholarship. Yep. So call up the coach. He's send over your times, come and visit. And they offered me like a partial scholarship. So I ended up going there. And that's crazy. That was it. And fell in and love with the big city of Cullowee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The very small city of Cullowee. Yeah. But yes. <laughs> you mean it's not a global tech no, center? No, it's definitely, yeah, definitely not any tech hub. Going to school in the mountains was a really fun, unique experience. Yeah. ECU was, were you guys by the beach? We were in Greenville, side. North Carolina, so about okay. halfway between Raleigh and the beach. Okay. Yeah. Do you guys um, make beach trips then? We did, yeah, often. In you know, Moorhead City, Atlantic Beach, Wilmington's a little bit further, but most of the time it would be to the Outer Banks. So a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, the mountains were a lot of fun as, as well. That was a little bit of a drive from ECU, but six hours? Yeah. Colby a little bit further, but yeah. Did you get to the Outer Banks? Often? No, I no? never made it there. I went to Wilmington a few years ago for a friend's bachelorette, and that's I had never made it there during school, so that was my first time there. Yeah, nephew, cousin. Um, shout out to Mason if you're listening. <laughs> he's at school in Wilmington for film school, actually. Oh, cool. Um, so he's like right there on the beach. But it's fun. Yeah, so at Western, is that where you first 
dip the toes in the water. Look at that segue from the beach to getting involved in <laughs> Dude, tech. Yeah, um, perfect metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Is that where you learned about tech? I did. And it's funny because, like you said, it's not like we were really surrounded by even like a big city that had access to tech. But, yeah. you know, I took my first entrepreneurship class my freshman year and we had a group project. And the group project was to come up with an idea and a business plan and do the pitch for the class. Yeah. So my group came up with this idea called Tipster. Okay. And it was a way to automate credit card tip reporting in like high volume restaurants and bars. Yeah. So basically at the end of the night, if you're a server or a bartender, you have to manually enter in all your credit card tip amounts into the point of sale system, yep. which is like their computer system. And that took forever after college nights. So essentially we created this little janky device out of a cardboard box that you could it use like OCR recognition, you know, read the handwriting and digitize the tip amounts. And about what year was this? This was 2015. That's pretty ahead of the curve. O- OCR yes and in 2015? No. Yes and no. It didn't work great. It was a prototype. Okay. But yeah. like we, you know, we rallied some of our coder friends yep. and made like this prototype workable. Like it definitely wasn't sellable, but that was my first shot at the entrepreneurship thing and yeah. learning about startups. I had no idea about anything before I started or anything in tech for that matter. So Wow. That's pretty cool. And did that did you make revenue? No, we didn't. Yeah. Just like <laughs> it a never fun made hobby. it that far. Yeah. That's cool though. And so that was the initial tech company in your resume? <laughs> I would say tech product. Tech, tech product. experiment. Yeah, well, it didn't tech make it into the company. <laughs> yeah, you start a product, then you start a company. So at what point did you like get into fashion? This is Trinity Mototech is not your first fashion foray, right? When did that start? That's, Even as a hobby. I would say like graduating college after okay. I had a little more money. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's hard to get into no fashion yeah. with no money. But yeah. <laughs> that's also when I started Wear and Share okay. too. So that was the fashion tech company and that was my first legitimate startup. <laughs> yeah. So talk to me about Wear and Share. Yeah. So essentially we're developing smart mirrors for the retail industry. Okay. It's a very interactive experience and it was a way for customers to essentially track and log what they were trying on in stores and push it out to social media channels so Got people it. could then purchase so smart mirrors through. for like the dressing room it was outside the fitting okay. room but yeah. essentially you know a very interactive experiential type of smart mirror so oh that's cool yeah why analytics like in fashion why not supply chain or some other kind of area of applying tech so There's a lot of missing information about what goes on in the actual retail store. And that's the fitting room is the highest point of sales conversion, but there's essentially no data on it. So our whole goal was like, how can we get more data about what people are trying on, be able to market back to them with their own content or their friends content, and in return, get those analytics that will essentially down the road help supply chain. Yeah. So if you can predict what is selling well and what's not selling by location, per store, you can then go back and bake that into your inventory management. Like, yeah. you know, this store in Florida is getting all these coats, but like coats aren't selling here. It's right. funny because a lot of the big chains, like that's still how they work with their franchise businesses. They're just sending out X amount here, there, and they're not using any analytics yeah. about you know, the actual geography or demographics or 
And so everything at Wear and Share revolved around like the conversion, the mm -hmm. sales conversion. Yeah. Like how can we improve this by a percentage point, like five? Even like a two percentage like yeah. sales conversion would be huge. And oh, wow. you reduce the amount of returns. And, and is it literally like, like this person tried this thing on, they didn't buy it, or this person tried this thing on and they bought it? Is that really basically that's yeah. all it comes down to? So how did the so the smart mirror wouldn't improve that as much as track it? So the, the, it would also, we had a theory, I mean, we theorized that it would improve it, especially if you post a picture on a platform asking your friends if you should buy it or not, getting that sort of social proof and oh, real-time feedback yeah. from social media, yes, you should buy it while you're still in store, yep. was something we were also trying to improve. So it would take a picture while you're yep. trying, got it. Yep. Okay. You would essentially pose, it was experiential, had like filters and AR and stuff. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah. I had this interesting conversation the other day with a friend about atoms versus bits and you're like at the intersection mm -hmm. where it's like a real world thing mm -hmm. experience but also using that to collect data and mm -hmm. you know improve decision making etc was that hard building actual <laughs> product yeah and like physical products yeah. are really difficult it's there's not a reason me. not a lot <laughs> of people do it, do it. Yeah. yeah i love it though because i think there is something really unique about an experience and experience software yeah. within like a unique sort of hardware, not just an app on our phone. Something you can actually touch and feel is yeah. something I love. Like the overall experience of like, how are we experiencing this app? Yeah. So what happened to Wear and Share? Feel free to share as much or as Yeah, well. I left the company. I thought I had, you know, greater opportunities. And yeah. where I'm at now, Liquid, like we're still in the smart mirror space. So it's yeah. still something I know how to do, something yeah. I love and I'm super passionate about. But I think... It goes a lot more. We can have a lot more impact than just retail and fashion. Yeah, by so. being in the home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes total sense. And you know, B two B sales is not nearly as fun as B two C. That's true. so. Liquid is B two B. Okay. Yeah. So we're partnering with AV companies okay. and builders to actually get these devices into the home. Oh, from the so like at the contractor level. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool! Yeah. Like when they're designing the home, and so it's like an amenity for the. Uh, yeah, it's like a tech house. package. Yep. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know, when you buy a car, you can upgrade to the tech package mm -hmm. or whatever kind of thing with mm -hmm. the house. That's cool. And so it's you know in that regard, it's B two B to C, I guess, because yeah. they're trying to sell <laughs> Absolutely. to the customer. Yeah. And so, what typically you know is it just the smart mirror? Is there like a are you taking over part of the other tech package in the house or? Well, the smart mirror connects to appliances. So there's okay. certain, you know, lights, blind, like basic yeah. house controls that we connect to. So yes, we do have to, you know, use APIs and talk back and yeah. forth to those kinds of appliances. But eventually we do want to get into more experiential yeah. apps and things like services and things like that. So from my mirror in the morning, while I'm brushing my teeth after I get up, I can turn my coffee maker on. You, you hypothetically could, not version yeah. one, but like oh, you, that not. is yeah, something yeah, yeah. you would be able to do. Yeah, you, or it knows when you get up because it has a sensor, so you wouldn't even have to click anything. Oh, just automatically know? cut yeah. it on? That's cool. Yeah, yeah that, that's really cool. And so with that, like you're working your, it's not a nine to five, I'm sure, but a nine to five. Your 75% job, yeah. right? What was the catalyst for Trinity? And how dare you name a company after yourself? I know. Where, where did that come? Initially, it made me cringe. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, no, like I have yeah. the perfect name for this. Think about 
Trinity from the Matrix. Yep. She rides a she's a badass. She rides a motorcycle. Yep. We all want to feel like Trinity. Yep. And then also, you know, I thought really deeply about the meaning behind the brand, but Trinity is like the three in one, right? Like being on two wheels, you're that yeah. third component. You are the three yeah. in one, the Trinity. And I'm like, this That's is cool. like the Trinity of riding. You yeah. know, you are the, the third component of being on two wheels. So I felt like my name perfectly played into the brand. Um, yeah. And, you know, I saw what was out there for women's motorcycle gear. And yeah. I'm like, hey, I think I can design and develop things that women would be happy to wear, like to work or yeah. out with their friends where they don't have to go to the bathroom and change when yeah. they get there. Because I I talked to so many women who have that same problem. Oh, when I go somewhere, I just take a backpack and change because I can't wear this gear to a normal setting. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, that's ridiculous. Like, we need to be able to do that. So, yeah. No, that makes total sense. And, you know, tongue-in-cheek, I think it is a great name, and you have a great brand as well. The, the art logo mark and et cetera. Shout out phenomenal. to Dylan. <laughs> yeah, good job, Dylan. Yeah. That, that's cool. And so are you positioning Tr Trinity? You know, talk to me about the initial positioning. Like, is it for motorcycle riders or is it like a lifestyle brand that leans towards motors motorcycle riders like how are you thinking about trinity at this point a lifestyle brand yeah. that is for motorcycle riders so the first product that i've launched with and it was a soft launch but yeah. is an athletic athleisure piece so you know i would say 50 percent of our buyers so far have been motorcyclists 50 percent have been just girls that work out, go yeah. to yoga, even like new moms. That's the funniest yeah. market because it has a zipper. It's a tank top that has a zipper. And I've gotten multiple new moms say, this is perfect for breastfeeding. And I'm yeah. like, I have this like market. I had no idea huh. even was a thing when I thought about this design. So I would say it's a lifestyle brand that is definitely catered yeah. to women who ride motorcycles. So Lululemon so. with an edge. Yes. yes. Edgy Lululemon. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's very cool. So... What's been the hardest thing so far? How long have you been going? How long has it been around? So I first decided to act on this idea in June. Okay. So I've so been... Rewind before that. Mm -hmm. When did you have the... December. Like that okay. December before. Of 2021? Yes. Okay. And so for those six months, how did you stop from acting? I wouldn't say I necessarily stopped. I was just like preoccupied with other things. Yeah, I was working sure. at another job and honestly they took a lot of my time yeah, <laughs> and sure. like mental capacity and like creativity. So I was just burnt out on doing creative side projects. Yeah. So I honestly was just like poking around, seeing what was out there for yeah. six months and then decided to finally take the leap in June. And I would say going back to your question, what was the hardest thing? Yeah. Finding good suppliers. Okay. I went through yeah. three suppliers before I found the one that I have now, who's okay. absolutely amazing. But man, I had some shitty suppliers. <laughs> I even got, I got scammed on the internet from one. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like. And what's the cycle like back and forth with the suppliers? How, what's the delay? Like I have to imagine it's, hey, change this. Then they have to retool then they have to produce the new thing and then they have to send it to you. Yeah. So let me take you through the cycle from like ideation to actual sample. Yes, and then I'll please. go through the sample process. So I start with an idea, a sketch. Like I'm not 
I'm, okay. you know, creative person, but sure. I have no technical design skills. So I start with a sketch and then I contract. And this is, you know, sports bra with a zipper. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I start with a sketch, you know, I come up with an idea, figure out, you know, what are the components I want in this design, sketch it up. And then I hired a contractor for the technical design aspect. Okay. So this technical designer, shout out Colin. He's right. awesome. <laughs> Good job, Colin. Um, How'd he, you find Colin? A friend of a friend. Okay. Yes. How'd I, you find? He's in my run club. Okay. So we were friends. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so just, yeah. Yep. Re- reach out to people in your network. You'll be surprised who you find. Yeah, 100%. Um, so Colin creates what they call a tech pack. So that's the actual specs of the garment. So this measurement needs to be this for this size. Yeah. It needs to be this many inches for this size and creates this whole tech pack which essentially would be like a scope of work in software development. Okay. And a tech pack is that's the industry term. Okay. Yeah. So if I were to walk into any supplier and say, Hey, I have a tech pack for, you know, whatever, a hoodie. Yeah. They would know exactly what I'm talking about. And they'd be like, show your tech pack. That's what the suppliers want to see when you go to them is do you have a tech pack? Cause they need that kind of framework of what, you know, everything should, all the specs should be. Yeah. And it accounts for various sizes. Yep. Like it's the full yep. spectrum. It has the fabric information, has, you know, all the detailing, like the zipper information, the measurements for all the different sizes and what they should be in. And so that I have to assume that's a lot of back and forth, even before you get to the supplier between you and Colin. Yeah. Because Colin knows what they need. Mm-hmm. He's basically a translator or an interpreter between what's in your head and the supplier. Absolutely. So I actually, he's in North Carolina. He's in Greensboro. Yeah. So I actually, this summer went down and spent, we spent like five days together, like yeah. knocking out the tech packs, yeah. making sample prototypes, going to like Joanne Fabrics and just, yeah. you know, okay. making stuff in the kitchen and like making sure the fit was right. And it was still getting the design we wanted without being overly complicated for the suppliers. Cause for me, I was like, I want unique designs, but I also don't want it to be impossible to right. make. I'm just trying to think. So you're in the zone for five days, right? Because you still have a day job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you take time off? And yeah, like, essentially. Like, oh, I this is my there. vacation. I'm yeah. going to go, you know, design fashion. That's cool. And so didn't mean to cut you off from yeah. your, so you now have a tech pack. What's next? So then I start reaching out to suppliers on the internet. So (laughs) this is something that I've experienced with because of my background in manufacturing hardware for smart mirrors. So I figured, okay, like suppliers are the same. So first I started within the U.S. I'm like, I'm going to try to find a U.S.-based supplier versus overseas. Okay. Just because it'd be easier to go meet them, manage, that kind of thing. But I quickly realized the suppliers that work with these sort of protective fabrics for motorcycle gear, they have a lot of military contracts. So they don't care about like a small startup business coming to them. Like they don't need new business and they have the machinery that, you know, works with the protective materials that specialize. So they're Mm -hmm. like, sorry. (laughs) Protective materials like Kevlar. Yep. Kevlar, Aramid, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I didn't even think about like, your average needle is not going through Kevlar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So then I realized, okay, I need to go outside of the U.S. So the first thing that I do whenever I'm going to, like, manufacture anything is essentially look up, like, what are the areas around the world that are really known for manufacturing this? Sure. 
kind of products. So for motorcycle gear, I found Pakistan was the place for it. So I started just sourcing some suppliers over over some different platforms and had some back and forth, had a few different samples made. The first ones came back terrible. I like got them back and I was like, did I design the ugliest thing in the world? Yeah, that's (laughs) crazy. These are horrible. So bad it's making you doubt yourself. Yeah, exactly. And then I was like, no, this looks nothing (laughs) like the tech pack. I was like doing all the measurements. They were way off. And I was like, okay, I'll give this, these guys one more chance. So what is it called, what they send you? Just samples? Sample, Okay. Yeah. And at that point, are you like, to make sure that the sample, sharing the sample with Colin Pack, or you do that interpretation? or I can, so I can do it because I have all the measurements. So okay. like I could just literally measure the garment and look at the tech pack and see if it matches. Yeah. So... Obviously, I would send Colin pictures and videos and sure. stuff because we weren't in person. But yeah, I mean, they were so far off. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, man. So so from there, after that, you know, two couple rounds with a few different suppliers, it wasn't working out. I finally, I was getting closer to the Motorcycle Expo. I okay. really wanted to have a product by then to meet with some potential buyers, but it sure. really wasn't possible because the timeline but i found another supplier that was like oh i'm gonna be at icma i can Mm. meet you there i'm like and it was the expo yeah okay icma was the expo i was like great and that's one thing that i wish i would have done with these other like scammy suppliers that were so bad was like oh what conferences are you going to this year yeah because that's a good indicator if they're legit or not because if they're going to spend the money to go to conferences either in the u.s or you know, anywhere else, like they're legit and you know, you can meet them in person. Yeah. So that's something that I don't know why is usually part of my process and the hardware side of things that I just didn't even think about for fashion. I'm like, no, it's the same. Yeah. Always ask. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's like one of those things where you never know where like the learnings and lessons from your day job or past experience Mm -hmm. can impact you know, the thing that you're starting. What does fashion and hardware mirrors have in common? Turns out a, a bit. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> Actually um, a lot. So were you having to pay for the samples? Okay, was that just coming out of pocket, like salary, money, savings, that type of thing? Yeah, so I have had a few investors in my business sure. essentially giving me business loans. Yeah. So that's been nice having those. You know, that's really, I started putting my own money in and yeah. then got those investors. So at first it was really just me bootstrapping. Yeah, and how did you meet those investors? Also friends? Friends Mutual, of friends? yeah, friends of friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Social circles. <laughs> you don't need like a pitch deck and a lot of connections in New York or LA or SF totally. to start something. That's yeah. cool. So one of mine is actually, he owns Harley dealerships. And then the other one is my boss at Liquid. So yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. And so you have this supplier now mm-hmm. met in person at ICMA. Yeah. Got Basically. arrested at ICMA. <laughs> like both of you? Yeah. Or let me th- tell you that story. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like this was a good story time for this. This is funny. So we were like, so we were meeting for the first time. He had all these samples for me and other clients that he was meeting there. But we hadn't made it into the booth area yet. We were like, oh, let's get a coffee. Yeah. So, because I wanted like an area to actually try on the samples sure. that he made. So we get there, you know, I'm trying them on and the police come over because they think we're like, he's like selling me this stuff and yeah. like selling. He's no, like I'm here. I have a booth and he's trying to explain to them, but 
none of us speak Italian and right. they didn't speak English. So like oh they're asking, gosh. they're confiscating our passports. I'm like, oh my gosh, are we getting arrested? <laughs> <laughs> so like we we literally almost got arrested over these samples. But it ended up being fine, and it was funny. Like, someone came over and started translating, and, you know, eventually they were like, okay, but, like, they took documentation of all of our passports and things. What did they, like, they think was illegal, that he was just Like, selling selling. in the coffee shop. Oh, I see. Yeah, so I'm like, here's a tip. Don't try on your samples in a random coffee shop because you're not allowed to do business in some coffee shops. (laughs) Uh, That's crazy. So you couldn't find a supplier. You found a supplier. You almost ended up in jail. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's okay, these fit and it was off to the races. Like, they, okay, so the first samples were a little off and I ended up switching materials too because he actually brought other materials that okay. they had and I found some that I like. But that's pretty typical. Like, your first yeah. samples are never going to be perfect, but I knew the quality was so good, like, compared to anything else that yeah. I had before and the fact that he was willing to meet in person. And actually, you know, suggest other materials and things we should use. And he's been absolutely amazing. Like, they've done great work. We're about to receive our next samples that will hopefully be our final ones and then actually going into production. So, That's cool. And are you single skew right now? Yes. One, one product? That's we'll, cool. We'll be launching a jacket soon and then a protective legging. So right now, okay. like, the only thing that's live is the athletic piece, but yeah. the other stuff is it's more exciting yeah <laughs> that's exciting and so how are you thinking about getting the word out and distributing so i'm gonna launch like i i mentioned earlier preston uh one of my investors owns some harley dealerships yeah so that'll give us like a physical presence is okay. actually like being in those stores i'm definitely going to utilize influencers yeah for um, sure. i think that's going to be huge especially on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, people that are doing gear reviews, getting into some publications and doing some PR stuff. But essentially, I want to do some pop-ups. Once I have a good amount of inventory, like I want to go and do some pop-ups and do like coffee and bike nights or something. Are there like cities where it's like a abnormal percentage of bike riders, like a larger than normal? Mm, I feel like I should know this, but I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I know West Coast, California, yeah, it's always sure. nice there. So there's always yeah. a ton of bikers out there. But I don't know if there's like the... a specific city. Yeah, I, I bet it's more, if I had to guess, it would be more event driven. Like fall in the Carolina mountains, like in the Appalachians. Tail the Dragon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, be, the Bike Week, Myrtle mm-hmm. Beach, Miami, et cetera. Yeah, that's cool. What are you struggling with right now? So you've overcome kind of the supply issue you've got a good partner there Mm -hmm. what what's keeping you up at night now i think the biggest thing is just getting the finalized jacket and pants because that's really going to be our bread and butter and i've realized like it is a more technical product that's why it took a lot like it's taking a lot longer to develop than the just the athleisure piece because there's so much more that goes into it like we want to meet certain like safety standards and be able to use like the right materials and still get a good fit and a good, like something that looks good on a size, you know, extra small and an extra large is like something that I'm going for that's currently not really being done in the industry. And it's hard. (laughs) The mix of materials and like complex kind of styles, but it is really fun. So I think the biggest thing for me right now is just like trying to be patient with getting these final samples done because my biggest mindset shift from developing 
software to physical product is like software. You can launch like a good product and have some bugs and go back and fix it. But with fashion, it's like you want to launch a really good product first. And you can always continue to get better, but like you can't just launch an okay product, especially with something like gear that's supposed to protect someone if, you know, they slide or get in a crash. So that's something that I'm like trying to be just like telling myself, like, it's okay. It's taking longer. You got to do it. Yeah. And these are meant to be written in as well, right? It's not pure lifestyle. Right. It's like you can write in it. Mm -hmm. it, You do have to think about what happens if someone crashes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's no beta version of pants. No. Yeah. (laughs) There is no beta version of protective pants. That's wild. So why, you know, tons of obstacles there, like thinking through the supply chain, thinking through marketing, thinking through, you know, what happens if God forbid someone gets Mm -hmm. in a wreck wearing my clothing. Why hasn't any of that stopped you? Because I'm naive enough to think (laughs) I can do it. Yeah, that's (laughs) good. I'm like, if I just keep going, like, I'm going to do it. Like if I just keep moving forward, like it's going to happen. It's going to work out. Yeah. The only way to lose is to give up. Seriously. Seriously. A lot of people like a lot of people quit when it's hard, when it's like if they would have just gone a little farther or just kept going, they would have been there. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes, it's probably in the stack at EC or your dad's definitely (laughs) heard it before is Einstein. He says, I'm not actually that smarter than everyone else than everyone else i just stick with problems longer yeah it's you know whether it's stubbornness or grit or just resilience yeah, just re- pure like grit and resilience that's cool trinity mototech based here in nashville mm-hmm. how'd you get here yeah I, I moved here after school my co-founder and wear and share had another business here okay. so nashville was just the so spot how long ago was that six years five years four four years yeah 2019 um, thoughts three, on being here yeah i love nashville yeah it's like, it's one of those cities that feels big enough, but you also walk around and see people that you know, and it yeah. has that kind of warm hospitality. Yeah, exactly. Four years, you're basically a veteran at this point. Am I? I yeah, I have moved here mid-pandemic, so almost three years now, which is crazy enough as it is. And two-thirds of the people I meet have moved here since I did, mm-hmm. and so four or five years, it's, you're a veteran It's kind of fun. Sure. I mean, like, I've just seen myself grow and change so much. Yeah. As a person and like professionally, just since I moved here, it's cool. I feel like I'm like growing up with Nashville. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Like, the, your company is too. Yeah. Like your company is growing up at the same time. And so some quick hits here. What's mm-hmm. your favorite spot to eat here in Nashville? Go-to spot. Oh, if it's just like a casual night, like sure. Jack Brown's. Okay. I love Jack yeah, Brown's. In Germantown. Very cool. A fancy spot. You have a fancy spot you like? I don't know. Should have one, but I don't. It's fine. Jack Brown's can be fancy. <laughs> Jack Brown's is my fancy night. Yeah, that's fantastic. So if you're looking to get some work done, mm-hmm. to head headphones in, enjoy some coffee shop ambiance mm-hmm. type thing. Where are you headed? Was your favorite coffee shop or spot to hang out? Mackay Cafe, Where's kind that? of in Twelve South. It's right by Belmont. Okay. By that Planet Smoothie behind there. Over there near like Proper Bagel? Maybe. It's not that far okay. into 12 South. Okay, cool. It's between 12 How South do you spell and Mackay? the Gulch. M-A-I-K-A-I. Okay. I'll have to check yeah. it out. I haven't heard of that one. That's a new one. It's cool. It's um, a good vibe. Lots of plants in there. Yep. Good sunlight. What about a happy hour cocktail spot? Park Cafe in Sylvan Park. I don't know that one either. It's good. I, it's so low-key, but it's down. so good. And they have great happy hour deals. They have a nice patio out back, and it's 
very unassuming. It's right next to Lola, that Spanish restaurant. Oh, yeah, restaurant. I love Lola. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. I know what you're, know what you're talking about. And it's like good drinks, like after work yeah. type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very cool. What if, so if you're creative and then meet other creatives, where are you going to like serendipitously run into somebody? I'm still learning that, to yeah. be honest. Um, I'm trying to get myself more in those creative circles because I've traditionally been in the tech circle space, yeah. which, you know, there's still creatives in tech, but yeah. I'm trying to find more of those like fashion in creative art. Artistic. I think a good spot is the Taylor space that okay. I've been. It's like a co-working, but like co-working for creatives. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Where is that? Germantown. Okay. I, between like Fifth and Taylor and the Goat. I know I'm using like restaurants yeah, yeah, yeah. as the pivots no, in that general room. Uh, if you're listening, you can Google Maps both of those yeah. places and <laughs> find them. And then last but not least, what's the best hidden gem? Something if I'm maybe from out of town visiting Nashville... I don't want to necessarily be on a party tractor on a Friday Why night. Not? I love the party <laughs> well, tractors. Uh, maybe I do that on a Friday <laughs> night, but then Saturday I want something offbeat. Where where should I head? Shelby Park. That's okay. I feel like a lot of people know that, but it's funny because I do talk to local people here and they're like, where are the trails that you're always out running on? I'm like, yeah. Shelby. They're like, what? It's like back far and yeah. east and... They have the air park back there, which is cool. Yeah, there's a lot out there, actually. Mm-hmm. Every time I, because you can drive through it, I'm always astounded at what's out there. There's people yeah. fishing, playing golf. <laughs> what are y'all doing? Skateboarding, um, yeah, you know, that thing. Yeah. It's wild. Very cool. So, what would you say to someone who's heard this, heard your Nashville recommendations, heard your struggles with the Trinity story, and maybe they're encouraged, right? Mm-hmm. They, they want to start something themselves. What, did, what piece of advice would you give them? Get started and Google and YouTube are your best friend. Okay. And also, no one knows how to do anything. So if (laughs) I've learned anything, it's funny, like, getting into the professional world, right, out of college. And it was just – it shocked me how no one knows what they're doing. Even experts in their field don't really necessarily know what they're doing. So don't be intimidated by someone's title or, you know – experience per se like you may have knowledge that they don't have and you can learn a lot of things just from like google and the internet you don't need to have like traditional background or traditional you know schooling in it just go out and do it like i don't have a traditional background in fashion yeah i just was sketching on a piece of paper and wanted to make it happen yeah chasing a passion yes absolutely so just get started and do your research too Listen to people who have done it so you don't make their same mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> so. Very cool. No, that, that's amazing feedback. So now's your time to shamelessly plug. Give you full permission. Where should people, you know, find you, your endeavors online, what's going on? Yeah, all my girlies go to trinitymototech.com. Yep. We have a cute athletic tank that is for anyone, not just motorcycle riders, currently live on our site. And then LinkedIn, Trinity Wiles, hit me up. Yeah. Like, I love LinkedIn. <laughs> so <laughs> You might be the only one. You'll find me on LinkedIn, yeah. Instagram, Trinity, K-A-Y-E. So, yeah, just... Hit Very cool. Up. And for Trinity Mototech, do is there like a newsletter or social We have an feed? email list. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So we're on Instagram, same thing, Trinity Mototech. And if you go to our website and sign up for our newsletter, we do that like once a week. So. That's amazing. So if you're listening, ladies, please check it out. Trinity, thanks for joining today. Thank you so much for having yeah, me. Yeah, 100%. That's awesome. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's Derek again. If you enjoyed the conversation, do us a favor by both subscribing and sharing Start Something With Your Friends. 
Thanks a ton for listening. Talk to you again soon. And until then, we love you bunches.